Special thanks to CHR Hansen, a leader in fermentation and innovative brewing solutions. CHR Hansen's range of high-quality yeasts includes Smart Bev Near, which crafts flavorful beer entirely without the alcohol. These yeasts even enable fast, climate-friendly, and cost-efficient production. We thank CHR Hansen for their support and commitment to excellence in brewing. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by Berkeley Yeast, creators of diacetyl-free yeast strains. Diacetyl-free strains are bioengineered to produce the ALDC enzyme inside the yeast cell to keep diacetyl low during fermentation and after packaging. Diacetyl-free strains create the cleanest flavor profile possible, which makes them the yeast of choice for the most exacting brewer. Go to berkeleyyeast.com to read about how brewers are using diacetyl-free strains to propel their beers to the top of the podium. Grist Analytics captures and trends data across the brewery so you can see issues as they are happening, not several batches later. Get real-time feedback on the brew deck, analyze correlations from the lab, and see scheduling predictions from anywhere. Connect Grist with your ERP platform to cover your brewery from production to finance. What you're about to hear originally aired in November of 2019. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. And if you see a big bubble and a lid goes on that big bubble, the frog eye, uh, you know you're way over 100 just with just with one decent-sized bubble. Well, we had a great time recording podcasts during the live event in Calgary as part of the 2019 Master Brewers Conference, which you're about to hear was one of my favorites. I don't know about you, but I sure have tasted a lot of oxidized canned craft beer. It's both disappointing and terrible for our industry. This week on the show, our friends at Goose Island talk about their journey reducing TPO on a small-scale canning line. And they've got plenty of tips we can all leverage to make better beer. Hi, my name is Mike Kanye, and I'm with Goose Island Beer Company in Chicago. My name is Brooke Bell, and I'm with Goose Island Beer Company in Chicago. Uh, you've got some real-world examples of an oxidation prob- problem. Tell us what you were noticing. Yeah, we, so we started up um, a, a smaller scale can line at Goose Island in Chicago and we were running TPOs routinely with our sample plan and we're seeing numbers that were just beyond our level of, of acceptability and saleability. Numbers in the 400s all the way up to the thousands and we knew that that would be a rapid oxidation problem for us and, and knew we needed to take quick action. Were you, were you picking that up in sensory as well? 
Definitely, yes. Uh, we, we run our taste panel uh, on a daily basis and check every package sample. And we had beers that were failing before 30 days and had a 90-day, 120-day shelf life on them and, and were unhappy with, with how quickly it was falling out of profile. Were you seeing that those high numbers in other packages or just in, in this particular package? Uh, it was, we are also running a bottle line and we were seeing great numbers on the bottle line. So this all had to do with our uh, wild goose line. And typically we want our numbers well under 100, we target under 72. And like Brooke was saying, we're getting numbers uh, deep, well into the hundreds and over a thousand at times. Okay, before we talk about what did work, uh, what kind of adjustments were you trying that just weren't working? We went through like a whole brainstorming program and just had a basically a blank whiteboard and just thought, what could possibly be contributing to our high TPO issue? Is it the bright tank itself that set up? Is it the filler, the closing process, the environment itself? And with air movement or chemicals, just kind of anything goes type of brainstorming. And we basically approached the line in a systematic way from the rinser through to the purge tubes, to the filler, uh, f between the filler and the lid dropper and everything, trying to systematically troubleshoot. And we would find little things here and there that would bring it down 50, 100 ppb, uh, but not necessarily overall solve our problem on a consistent basis. So we knew we just had to continue to move down the line, uh, brainstorm modifications, just try to, try to figure out if we had a smoking gun, uh, but basically starting from the deep through to a finished can of beer. Yeah, and uh, one interesting thing we are, we're testing, we're testing on the purging of the uh, CO2. Was it too low, too high? A lot of thoughts that if it was too fast, it was bringing in air into the can. And so we isolated that, did some tests, and we turned out that uh, purging uh, will bring it down 50, 100, but uh, it won't bring it down hundreds of, of uh parts per billion. Okay, after all that, you really hit your stride and had an average of 48 ppb over four months, which is amazing. Uh, how did, what happened? Well, a lot of it we worked with, uh, well, like Rick was saying, we, we did all the different brainstorming and probably the biggest thing we did, uh, well, number one, you got to get foam, good foam quality and we worked with Wild Goose and we got a, uh, a foam scraper added to the line and also with uh, uh, a foam blaster that blasts the extra foam off. So the most important thing, I think, you get good quality foam, and even if you have poor quality foam, make sure it comes over the can and you scrape that foam off. Okay, you zeroed in on five factors that had the biggest impact on TPO. What were those? Our five were uh, our beer temperature, the filler-based pressure that the beer was coming in at, uh, our dissolved CO2 in solution, uh, as well as the beer style itself, of course, and the rate at which you fill the can. So those kind of those five things come together and really were the secret sauce that we found to get that foam integrity that Mike was talking about, that really dense, small bubbled foam that would come up over the edge of the can as you were filling it before uh, it hits the scraper and the lid drops on there. So we could watch the can line run uh, and say like good foam, bad foam, high TPO, low TPO, just as, you know, it's 35 cans a minute. So you could probably kiss every can as it goes by. So we could really dial in on what it looks like. And that's some of our hope from this study was to be able to 
take our data and synthesize into something that other brewers could literally look at and know and have an actionable uh, reaction to their line. Uh, yeah, just like she was saying, you could um, you could watch it go by and you could actually predict uh, what the TPO be kind of just by eyes. And if you see a big bubble and a lid goes on that big bubble, the frog eye, uh, you know you're way over 100 just with just with one decent sized bubble. So, so you don't even need a meter. <laughs> <laughs> Count your bubbles. <laughs> okay, walk us through each of those five variables and tell us how you optimize them. Sure. Yeah, well, we'll start with the beer temperature. So the beer temperature, what we really wanted was to control gas breakout when the beer hits the can line. So we realized that 34 degrees was really that optimal temperature. And so we, we did some studies to figure out what our pickup was between our bright tank and the filler base. And so we would adjust our bright tank set point based on how much how many degrees Fahrenheit we'd pick up on the way to the filler base. So our bright tank we wanted at 32 because we, we knew we would have an average of two degrees change. And so it would hit our filler base at 34. Yeah, and just on, that, on, the, on the temperature, just if 34 works because you can get enough foam, but it's not so much foam that you're losing a lot of beer. So uh, warm works, and if you can seal it quickly, uh, that'll work. But we found 34 is optimal. It might be 35 for somebody else, 33, but for our majority of our beers, 34 is a, is a good spot. The next one was the filler base pressure. So uh, we found that the range of about 13 to 16 PSI at the filler base was really what got us where we wanted. Just having that constant uh, pressure, because it's an all open, all closed, filler situation so uh, that was what we found was a, something we could hold constant and just make sure we had that consistent uh, pressure coming in for consistent fills and uh, operation of the line. Our dissolved CO2 was our next one. Uh, before at Goose we had 2.7 as our set point, 2.7 volumes per volume of CO2 for our beer. Uh, but found that was a little bit too high for this can line. We were getting too much breakout, too much foaming over, losing beer, and it uh, was a little much. So we dialed that back to 2.6 for all our beers, all our set points, and we're able to hold that constant as well. So one of that's just one of those variables that from our design of experiments approach for this, uh, we just need to hold these various things constant to be able to then finer tune our other variables and know that we have a controlled thing going on. So dissolved CO2 is a big one that we knew we could hold constant. Yeah, that's right. And the next one was the can fill rate. Uh, that's uh, probably the most important one. Uh, what we found is you can't fill too slow. You're not going to have that foam breakout. So what you need uh, is a fast fill and the foam rise. Get it. And what we were talking about earlier, get that dense foam and get that rising over the can and get that scraped off and get that lid on there. Coming up. We were seeing that foam like carry over, so we have good can, bad can, good can, bad can, and we were finding those patterns, so we knew we needed to redesign something. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. 
There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Sponsored by BSG, distributors of Gambrina Malting, Canada's original small batch artisanal malt house. Located in Armstrong, BC, Gambrina Malting combines European-influenced malting practices with the finest barley, wheat, and rye to produce some of the finest Canadian malts available. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com backslash Gambrinus to explore their full line of traditionally crafted malts and infuse your next brew with the character of the Okanagan Valley and Monashi Range. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, Try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Positively impact your process, product, and profitability with actionable insights from BrewIQ, the industry-leading real-time fermentation monitoring solution. Visit www.precisionfermentation.com backslash MBAA to start saving time and money today. BSI, your brewing partner since 1996, is your destination for top-quality liquid yeast cultures, lab services, and brewing products. BSI customizes your yeast orders for the perfect healthy pitch rate from a collection of over 300 strains. Most strains ship within seven days, but now try BSI's Express Yeast with industry-favorite strains shipped the next business day. As of 2023, BSI is proud to be a 100% employee-owned business. Professional brewers can call for a free same-day consultation or visit brewingscience.com to access over 50 years of brewing expertise. Are you sure you're getting the best deal? Visit the Lupulin Exchange, where you can find every hop variety, every brand, and every vendor. Compare prices, reviews, shipping speeds, reliability, and more on over a million pounds shipping direct from every hop merchant and grower in the U.S. The Lupulin Exchange. One stop, all the hops. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The 2024 Barley Improvement Conference is January 10th and 11th in San Diego. Don't miss the January 10th webinar, Brewing in a Beer with SmartBev Near Yeast, a craft brewer's perspective. District Michigan meets in Kalamazoo January 10th. District St. Louis meets January 18th and 19th at Anheuser-Busch. The 2024 Ontario Technical Conference is January 31st through the 2nd at the Pillar and Post. The Master Brewers Brewery Packaging Technology course begins February 22nd. District Great Plains has their annual meeting February 23rd and 24th at Mark One Electric Company in Kansas City. The Master Brewers Brewery Maintenance Systems course begins June 6th. It's time to save the date for the 2024 World Brewing Congress. That's August 17th through the 20th in Minneapolis. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you.
now back to the show. And finally, it's beer style. So we all know that beer is going a thousand different directions right now in what's considered beer uh, in a lovely, flavorful way. And so you'll see a lot of low foam production beers, uh, whether it's a barrel-aged beer or a fruited beer, some sour beers just with that quickly collapsing foam. So we found that understanding your beer style and that foam integrity just intrinsic to the style of beer is important to pay attention to as well. And if it's something that does have a quickly dissipating foam, you'll need to agitate the beer and kind of encourage that gas to come out of solution. So on our line, there's something called a foam pulse setting that you could set up and so that it would basically agitate to encourage that foam production before it hits the foam scraper. Yeah, that's right. So I would say, number one, try to get that fast fill if that's not working for you because of, of, of the beer style. Add some foam pulses, play around with it, and uh, hopefully you get that foam coming up. If it's not great foam, just at least get it up where it's coming up over the can and hopefully scrape it off and, and check your TPOs from there. But really, still, foam quality is still number one. Then if, you, if, you're, if your brewery doesn't have a, a TPO measuring piece of instrumentation uh, like for example we have a Hawk Orbisphere 6110 um, what you can do is measure your DOs and then shake your can to homogenize the headspace of the can into the beer and then check it again so you can see what that difference is uh, accounting for that headspace and that's really what we found was our main contributor was that headspace oxygen and, and the oxygen being captured in the bubbles from that open air can line so if you have that dense foam pushing out by controlling those five things, then you're basically purging your headspace uh, in a nice, consistent way. That's awesome. You made a couple of modifications to your can line. Talk about those. Oh uh, yeah, so we, uh, you know, from the operators to the supervisors, all through packaging and quality, we all work together. And and one of the big helps was uh, getting the manufacturer Wild Goose to uh, come out there and test for us. We're sort of like a beta tester for them. So they, uh, we added that uh, the CO2 uh, tunnel uh, with the scraper on there and also uh, a foam blaster. Um, the, the, the CO2 tunnel with the scraper, uh, that'll scrape off uh, you know, some, of those bubble, some of those air pocket bubbles uh, on the foam, uh, add some CO2 to blanket it with CO2 and then right away get the lid on there. Um, the, the, what they call the foam, I don't know what they're calling it now, but I think it's the foam blaster. Dio, it just, Dio Buster? Uh, yeah, it is the Dio Buster, that's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so part of it was we also added uh, a little, uh, like a tube that shoots out um, some CO2 to blast the foam, because there's always foam hanging around on this line, and, kind of drip, and it will drip down into some cans. So uh, what you want to do is, after every five can cycle, we blast that foam right off. And so the next set of five has uh, has clean, and you're not going to have uh, CO2 dripping, I mean, uh, foam dripping back in. We, we learned a, a good lesson in man, just manufacturer relationships, too, and kind of working and collaborating with them on getting equipment to meet your expectation as a brewer and working collaboratively with them to design something. We went through a couple different versions of the DO Buster. We had one that just had a flat edge and we were 
seeing that foam like carry over. So we have good can, bad can, good can, bad can. And we were finding those patterns. So we knew we needed to redesign something and, and then continuing to push with them and providing reliable data really is what got us to where we needed to be uh, to say, oh, okay, here's, here's a data-driven piece of information we have for you that this isn't exactly what we're looking for. Can we work together? How can we keep finding solutions? There was one point where we were like playing around with, do we need lasers for this line? Like, what, what can <laughs> yes, we possibly do? <laughs> um, so we, were, we had a lot of fun with them designing and, and figuring out what was going to work sustainably and and now all the new lines come with it. So that's kind of a cool contribution that these smaller scale open air can lines, you can find these safe to work with uh, CO2 tunnels that really help uh, keep your TPO down. It's kind of weird that they didn't name them after you though. <laughs> <laughs> I asked them to, I don't know, we'll see. Um, yeah, what Brooke was saying is exactly right. Just if you're, instead of like, uh, you know, banging your head against the wall and not getting good results, call the manufacturer, they're there to help. Uh, Wild Goose is, they helped a lot. They get the answer. They'll they'll come out and they'll come out. They'll talk to you on the phone, whatever it takes. So yeah, uh, and if you don't have this, they could add it. It's I think you could purchase them after the fact. They'll come out and install it. And I know we're all uh, visual folks, so describing foam and describing equipment can be kind of tough. So we'll have our pictures from the MBA talk that we gave. So if people want to see images of what we consider good foam and what we consider uh, poor foam, we'll have those out there. Definitely. We'll link to that in the episode and everything so people can have access to those. Did you have, uh, so you, said you gave your presentation yesterday, did you have any uh, particularly interesting questions from the audience or anything that uh, would be worth mentioning? We got some good questions. I think the thing that surprised me the most was a lot of people were curious in our troubleshooting approach. Uh, we, I'm not sure if it's, we had a, we included our brainstorming map of everything that we thought of and a, it was kind of interesting. People came up and were like, tell us more about that. Like, how did you do that? How did you, what did you do? How did you prioritize? So I think taking people through our troubleshooting was something I didn't expect. I thought people would be more interested in our results. How do I get this actionable item? And they asked a lot of questions on how we ruled things out, um, how we took the time to control the variables so we knew when we'd had our smoking gun. Um, so that was, that was cool to, to be able to talk about the problem solving a bit. Nice, nice. Anything else? Uh, Brooke pretty much covered, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, using this line and, uh, and maybe they don't have the instrumentation to test it. So hopefully, you know, this will help them, you know, get some good low TPO numbers on their can line. And Mike mentioned at our District Northern Illinois meeting, I liked your point about if you're working with a mobile canner, maybe this the Dio Buster tunnel, it takes 15 minutes to put on a line and take off. It's really easy to install. So as a brewery, if, even if you're running with a mobile canner, maybe buy just this piece and then when they come in, you could, you could apply it to their line so that, you know, you're kind of maintaining the quality and, and reassuring that for your beer, even if it's not a line that you own. That was Brooke Bell and Mike Kanya here on the Master Brewers Podcast. You can find their presentation as part of the 2019 Master Brewers Conference Proceedings. The proceedings will be available at mbaa.com in just a couple of weeks. Look for links in the show notes soon. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers Podcast? 
Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Proximity Malt, BSG, Precision Fermentation, and the Lupulin Exchange. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Thank you.